Hey, faithful listener. Welcome to season six of the Bible Explained podcast, the podcast where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and enjoy today's discussion from the book of John. Hey, friends and faithful listeners, happy Thursday and welcome to season six of the Bible Explained podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about John chapter 16, verses 16 through 24. I'm going to be reading out the W.E.B. as I usually do. Please feel free to grab your Bible, your cup of coffee and uh, your cup of tea, I guess, if you are one of those crazy tea drinkers that prefers tea over coffee. I will never understand. I'll never understand. I mean, I drink tea. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I drink tea, but I will never prefer tea over coffee, I don't think. But anyway, share with me what your favorite flavor of tea is or what your favorite cup of tea is, because I do enjoy drinking tea at night because uh, I have to stop drinking coffee at some point in the day. (laughs) And uh, I'd like to try some new teas out. If you have any interesting blends that you prefer, I'd love to hear about them. So contact me. You're going to find my contact information in the description of this podcast episode. But also, if you want to just contact me for whatever reason, like, for example, you want to share your testimony with me or you want to tell me how you found the podcast or anything like that, or you want to just introduce yourself. I love hearing all of that. So just contact me if you would like to. So today we're going to be talking about an interesting couple verses that Jesus talks about where he mentions sorrow and then great joy. And personally, I think this is talking about two different things. So let's go ahead and read John chapter 16, verses 16 through 24. Some of his disciples therefore said to one another, what is this that he says to us a little while and you won't see me and again a little while and you will see me and because I go to the father. They said, therefore, What is this that he says a little while? We don't know what he is saying. Therefore, Jesus perceived that they wanted to ask him and said to them, Do you inquire among yourselves concerning this that I said a little while and you won't see me and again a little while and you will see me? Most certainly, I tell you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice for you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. A woman, when she gives birth, has sorrow because her time has come. But when she has delivered the child, she doesn't remember the anguish anymore for the joy that a human being is born into the world. Therefore, you will now have sorrow, but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice and no one will take your joy away from you. In that day, you will ask me no questions. Most certainly, I tell you, whatever you ask of the father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be made full. So just to recap, Jesus is on his way to the cross, basically, and his disciples are there with him. This is right before Judas comes to betray Jesus. So this is probably on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane, or maybe possibly already there at the Garden of Gethsemane. But anyway, Jesus is still speaking with his disciples before Jesus goes to pray. And so he says to them, in a little while, you will you will not see me. And again, a little while, you will see me. So this has one very practical explanation. In a little while, in just a few hours, Jesus was going to be betrayed, hung on the cross, and buried in the grave. Then a little while after that, he would be risen from the dead and the disciples would see him again. So that's the first practical explanation for this. 
And so the disciples are just like, what the heck is he talking about? Like, what is Jesus saying? And they question this for quite a while. They're like, what is this that he's saying? A little while you won't see me. And again, a little while you will see me because I go to the father. And so they're just like questioning among themselves. And so Jesus, it says that he perceived that they wanted to ask him about it. So instead of (laughs) waiting for them to ask, Jesus just says, okay, here's what it means, basically. Most certainly, in a little while, you're going to lament and weep and cry, but the world will rejoice. You're going to be very sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. So Jesus doesn't specifically say right there that he is going to be hung on a cross and buried and risen again, per se. He just says what the disciples are about to feel. He says they're going to feel this like deep and utter distress and sorrow, but yet the entire world would rejoice over Jesus's death, which is exactly what ended up happening. Jesus was killed, hung on a cross, right? And the Pharisees, the world, was like making fun of Jesus up on that cross, spitting on him and doing all sorts of crazy insults at him and just treating him like total and utter garbage, right? Jesus, when he died and was buried, the world like rejoiced over it. The Pharisees were so happy that Jesus was finally out of their hair. They were so happy. And the disciples, of course, were so distressed that they fled the scene. They weren't even there with Jesus in his last moments. They were so fearful and so sorrowful and distressed that they left Jesus completely alone to be murdered. However, I don't believe that this is just talking about Jesus's death and resurrection. I do think that it is talking about Jesus's death and resurrection. But I think this is also talking about the end times. And here's why. In a little while, you will not see me. And again, in a little while, you will see me. To me, that just sounds like the second coming of Jesus. Because there's so many verses in scripture that says the day of the Lord is coming. It is coming. It's going to come so quickly. For a while here on earth, you and I are going to be without Jesus. We are going to be sorrowful and distressed over it. And we are. I mean, how many people nowadays are just like, man, I just wish Jesus would come. Like, when's the second coming happening? And like, you know, I I see what's going on in the world also. And I'm like, not super happy about everything. I guess you guys can probably figure that out, considering what I talk about on the podcast a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Where I'm just like, man, everything nowadays is just gone to crap. But many people feel like that. It's not just me. I know so many people are are feeling the exact same way. And so many people are like, when is Jesus coming? You know, because it just seems like we're at the end times or, or something. So we are sorrowing now. And it actually says in scripture that, you know, even the earth is like groaning in pain. It's not just you and I, but like, animals and trees and the earth is just they're just sorrowful though they're groaning in pain waiting for jesus to come back and make everything new again they're groaning so there is sorrow there is still sorrow to this day that jesus is not here on earth that god's kingdom has not yet come yet so we are sorrowing we are upset but jesus says in a little while you're going to see me again And that's what scripture says. It's going to happen so fast and in a day that we do not expect. We're not going to expect Jesus to come. And even Jesus himself doesn't know when he's coming back again. Only the father knows. (laughs) So when the time is right, the father is going to be like, hey, Jesus, it's time for you to go. 
and Jesus is going to go and he's going to come again. So we're not going to know when that day is. We're, we're going to have absolutely zero clue, which is why I personally believe this is my own personal opinion. I just want to throw that out there right now. This is in no way scripture. I personally believe that it's not going to be yet that Jesus comes because there's just too many people, <laughs> too many people that are saying that it's going to be now. Everybody's kind of expecting it to be right now. I personally think that it's going to be a little bit less obvious, but that is just my own personal opinion. I have no clue when Jesus is coming back. He could come back literally right now, or he could come back, you know, 50, 100, 1,000 years from now. I have no clue. But regardless, <laughs> we are still groaning. And here's what Jesus says. Most certainly I tell you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. So that's true nowadays. People do rejoice over, um, honestly, Christianity getting shut down. The world rejoices over that. But we're going to be sorrowful. But suddenly our sorrow will be turned into joy. Just like a woman when she gives birth has sorrow because her time has come. Now, I am a childless woman. I have never experienced birthing pains, but I know people who have. I know many people who have, and nobody likes them. <laughs> no one likes the birthing process, but everyone loves having the child. Everyone. So all these mothers, you know, they're, they're so stressed, you know, because I mean, I, I have several friends actually that literally just gave birth within the past like couple months, and all of them are, they were so stressed to go into labor but now they have this like little bundle of baby and they're so happy over their bundle of baby. We just had uh, baby dedications at my church actually on Mother's Day and it was really cute. Every single one of those mothers up there just seemed so joyful, you know, to have their newborn babies. And that is because the pain is temporary. The pain of that labor, even though it's like intense and awful and honestly a curse, towards women. That is actually what uh, the curse for women is, is that the labor pains are going to be increased. Even though it's a curse, at the end, it's over and you have the baby. <laughs> and even Jesus says, you know, the woman's sorrow of all that, like those labor pains, it's turned to joy because now she has her baby. She doesn't remember the anguish anymore for the joy that the, the human being is born into the world. Now, I, I've heard many women that are like, no, we remember the anguish. But <laughs> the point of this is, is that when the mother finally has her baby, that time of suffering is over with. You know, she doesn't need to anguish over that anymore. It's over with. She now has the baby and that's what she is focusing on. Now, of course, this could be talking about the sorrow that the disciples were feeling in the first few days after Jesus's death, before they realized that Jesus rose again on the third day. They were probably feeling this intense sorrow and anguish like this, which we know that they were. They were absolutely like distraught over Jesus's death. But suddenly their distress was turned to great joy when the women went to the tomb on the third day and it was the stone was rolled away and they saw the angel sitting there and the angel was like what are you doing he's not here and go tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead 
And those women had joy after that. And then the disciples also had joy when they saw Jesus in his risen form. So Jesus could be talking about that and probably is talking about that. The disciples were going to go through terrible anguish in the next few days after Jesus said all this. But on the third day, they would have extreme joy when Jesus was risen from the dead. But going back to the whole thing of Jesus coming again the second time, which we have yet to experience, it actually says in scripture, which is so interesting, that the earth is experiencing labor pains until Jesus comes again. So absolutely, Jesus could also be talking about his second coming and the labor pains that you and I are experiencing here on earth until Jesus once again comes. Then we're going to have so much joy because when Jesus comes, even though he's coming to judge the earth, he's taking us out like the Christians, the, the true Jesus followers. He is taking us out. That is said in scripture. A lot of people like to call it the rapture. But before Jesus judges the earth, he is taking us out. And we are going to be with Jesus basically forever at that point and in complete and total bliss. And Jesus is going to make everything new. He's going to judge the earth and make everything new after that. And uh, we're going to be able to reign with Jesus. We're going to share in Jesus's glory and share in that joy that comes with being with Jesus and having eternal life and having paradise, something that humans are all wishing for. Like every single human on earth wishes for paradise. We all wish for bliss and joy and happiness, but we just can't seem to find it. You know, even Christians have such a hard time finding joy, right? Even though Jesus gives it to us here on earth in a fallen world, we still have a really hard time just like accessing that joy and finding it because the earth is imperfect. We all long for a paradise, but we don't have it here. It's not going to happen until Jesus comes again and he finally establishes a literal paradise that anybody who believes in Jesus is going to mercifully be able to live in with Jesus. So those labor pains that we experience here on earth that cause us so much sorrow and distress and takes our happiness away from us, in the end, it's going to be turned into great joy. Here's what Jesus says. No one's going to take that joy away from you. And yeah, just as the disciples were able to experience the joy of getting to see Jesus risen from the dead and the joy that the Holy Spirit gives to each of us, in the end, when Jesus comes again, you and I are going to have this joy that no one ever is going to be able to take from us. It's going to be like everlasting happiness and joy. So then Jesus says in verse 23, in that day, you will ask me no questions. <laughs> My husband often says he, he's he's so silly. He says he's going to get kicked out of heaven because he's going to ask too many questions. <laughs> but in actuality, in scripture, it says that we aren't going to really ask of anything. We're not going to have to ask of anything because we're going to have everything. Our joy is going to be so full. And this was actually also true of the disciples when Jesus was risen from the dead. They didn't ask Jesus very many questions. They were so like flabbergasted over Jesus, like 
rising from the dead that they were stunned silent. <laughs> I think that's what Jesus is talking about here. Like, you know, people aren't going to need to make requests of Jesus or not, they're not going to think of any requests to make of Jesus. It would almost be like uh, so selfish to make a request of Jesus after him, like appearing in his glory. You know what I mean? But of course, now Jesus has gone back up into heaven. He has not come back again a second time. So most certainly I tell you, whatever you ask of the father in my name, he will give it to you. So, of course, we do ask questions of Jesus, even though the disciples were stunned silent when Jesus, uh, you know, appeared to them in his glory after he rose from the dead. And even though you and I, when Jesus comes again a second time and we live with him face to face, we're not going to have to ask of anything of Jesus. It's just going to be ours. Everything that Jesus has is going to be ours. We're going to share in that. But, you know, now we don't have Jesus here on earth with us. So we do have to ask things of the Father. Most certainly, I tell you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked of nothing in my name, which makes sense because the disciples uh, didn't know to pray in Jesus's name at this point until Jesus told them to do it. But he tells them now. In fact, he commands the disciples, ask and you will receive that your joy may be made full. So Jesus commands us to ask of the Father in his name. And that is because we come close to the Father through Jesus. We can't have a relationship with the Father without Jesus. So when we pray to the Father and when we make requests to the Father, we make them in Jesus's name because he's the one who has given us access to the Father. And we have that privilege to come to the Father and ask of whatever we need in Jesus's name. This does not mean that God is our genie. This does not mean that if we ask for something we want in Jesus's name, that God the Father is going to give it to us. Scripture mentions that it has to be within God's will in order for him to grant a request of ours. But we ask for these things in Jesus's name because Jesus commands us to do that because we now have a true relationship with the Father through Jesus. But long story short, we are waiting for the second coming of Jesus. It's going to be a glorious day for us when Jesus appears. It's going to be a day of judgment for those who don't believe in Jesus, but it's going to be a very glorious day for us. But until then, we have access to the Father through Jesus's name. And that is the joy that you and I can experience nowadays, that relationship that we have with God the Father. And that's why Jesus ends this in verse 24 by saying, ask and you will receive that your joy may be made full. Alrighty, guys. Well, thank you so much for tuning into today's episode of John. We are going to finish up John chapter 16 on Tuesday. So tune in then, but also tune in tomorrow for another episode out of Joshua. Joshua has been very exciting so far. So it's going to get even more exciting in the next few weeks when we learn about all the battles and stuff that Joshua leads the Israelite people into. So that's going to be great. Anyway, tune in then 6 a.m. or whenever you choose to wake up. I'll see you guys tomorrow morning. Happy listening and God bless.